Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, it is time to say, oh my goodness, he scares me with that costume on. It's time to say good morning to one of my favorites, Dr. History. Good, good morning, morning, Zeb. You like my costume, I oh see. Oh my goodness. Where I'm did dressed you, just like you. Where did you find that mask? <laughs> Same place you got yours. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. Great. Beautiful day out there oh, today. It is in the neighborhood, and uh, every week you surprise me with some of the things you find historically. What are we going to talk about today? Okay, I'm going to show you a picture here and you can guess what it is uh choo-choo train there's a train right behind it is the wood box yeah but wait a minute what's and uh, right behind that is the express car it kind of looks like it got blown to smithereens no no see that right there oh i see that's a safe being thrown out being thrown out why are they throwing it out oh oh, i'll tell you that oh okay So, we're going to talk about America's first train robberies. Okay. All right. Is it like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance uh, Kid where they use too much dynamite? Not on this one. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. So, America's first train robbery established a pattern kind of for all the train robberies that were to follow over the years. And strangely enough, the same train was robbed for the second time in exactly the same place and in the same manner by a different gang. But they had copied the crime from the first gang. In the same place? Same place, same method, everything. So the train was robbed twice in the same place. Uh, It was the Jefferson, Madison, and Indianapolis Railroad's uh, train. And the scene of the robbery was Seymour, Indiana. Oh, my. Heard of that? Uh, I know quite a few spots in Indiana, Indiana, but I don't know that one. Must be small. But anyway, the first sign of trouble on that night, on March 22nd, 1866, came when two masked men climbed down from the wood tender, which is right behind the engine, and ordered the engineer to stop the train. Well, looking down the barrel of a Navy pistol was something uh, new for this engineer, and so he decided he would comply amazing that he would concur yeah so two more masked robbers were waiting at that spot where the train stopped and they climbed aboard the adams express company's car and overpowered the messenger the guy inside yeah quickly they took from a small safe about sixteen thousand in cash uh a second and larger safe was locked and they wheeled it over to the side door and threw it out oh that's the picture right? that's the picture okay and then uh, a voice says, all right, go ahead, and uh, to the conductor, and he stepped down from the passenger car, and the con- conductor got back on the train and gave the signal to move ahead, and he was confused by whatever had happened and did not learn for some time that his train had been robbed. He really? didn't realize that they'd taken the safe. Real sharp guy. Yeah. So anyway, the big safe, the robbers pushed out the side door of the express car, contained $35,000, but. <laughs> they couldn't get to it. It was found the next day by the detectives and uh, in some bushes by the tracks, and its combination had been battered. I have a question. By a sledgehammer. Why would you rob a train without having the knowledge, let's say, of, hey, there's a safe on board with $35,000. Let's get it off the train, but you don't know how to open the safe. Well, they got the first safe open, and they oh. got it. But this other one, they didn't get open, so they threw it out, figuring they could get through to it. I see. Well, anyway, they got scared away, and by men uh, uh, drawn to the scene soon after the alarm was given, no one had the slightest idea who the train robbers were until a man named Gordon Kinney turned up. He said he had seen two of the Reno brothers riding in that vicinity earlier in the evening. Now, 
Keep in mind this guy named Gordon Kinney, because he's going to come into play here in a minute. Mm. But there were five brothers, the Reno brothers, and they, they're throughout this story here, the Reno brothers. Okay. John was the oldest, and uh, the others were Frank, William, Simeon, and Clinton. Okay. Now, John had... Never s- trust anybody with the name of Clinton. Or Reno. <laughs> <laughs> he had served in the Union Army during the war between the states and was regarded as a good guy, good yeah. citizen. And local officers hesitated to question the brothers, feeling that perhaps this guy named Kinney had made a mistake in his identification. Well, a few nights after the train robbery, uh, this Kinney was called to his door and shot dead. Whoa. He was the witness. No longer. Mr. Kinney's gone. He's gone. D-O-A. Yes. So John and Simeon Reno uh, with a man named Frank Sparks had visited a saloon in the area and spent a whole bunch of money. As a result, the three were arrested on suspicion and locked up in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. They denied they had robbed the train, but did not explain satisfactorily where they had obtained the money they had spent so freely. Now, that's a common thing those guys did. They were they'd rob, And then they'd go in and just spend all this money. Yeah. So they were removed to the Brownstown Jail, from which John obtained his release on a $15,000 bail. Hmm. So where did he get that? Yeah. Well, the evidence against Sparks and the Renos was uh, not too substantial and was further obscured by a second robbery of the same train in the same manner at the same place. It happened a little later. Well, soon after the second robbery occurred, the sheriff received a tip from an undisclosed source that it had been completed or committed by a guy named Hammond and Colleran. Okay. Okay, So this is a couple of shady characters, Hammond and Colleran, and they'd been suspected of other crimes, but for various reasons had never been arrested. Now this time they were taken into custody, were questioned, and were found in possession of a much more amount of money than most law-abiding citizens would be carrying around with them. So You know, they'd never accuse me of being a bank robber. <laughs> me neither. Just check my pockets. Well, they confessed to the second robbery, but they named the Reno brothers as having committed the first one. Oh, boy. So Hammond had long been... Uh, now, this where it gets a little tricky. Hammond had been a longtime admirer of John Reno, the oldest brother's girlfriend. Uh-oh. Now, after the second robbery, he had gone to the girlfriend's house to pick her up, and they had planned to elope. Now, wait a minute. Who's this guy? Hammond, the second train robber. Was going with one of the Reno's girlfriends. Yes, and they... And then he and her were going to plan on eloping. Yes. This sounds like you might have a problem. Well... Okay, here we go. So hiding in the bushes near the girlfriend's house. Oh, I knew it. John and Frank Reno. Yeah, there you go. They rushed out. They beat Hammond almost to death. They took his money and later saw to it that the sheriff was tipped off about the second robbery. Uh-oh. No honor so among choo- thieves. Choose your friend. Yeah. But, so how did Hammond know that the first robbery had been committed by the Reno brothers? His girlfriend had told him. He said, but when the girl was questioned, she denied this. She's a troublemaker. Yeah. But both Hammond and Colleran were sentenced to the penitentiary, and while the case against Sparks and the Renos kind of hung out, nothing being done about it. Really? Because there was no they didn't have really good evidence. Just I mean, kind of hearsay. Yeah. So, anyway, in December of that same year, the county treasurer's office at Gallatin, Missouri, was robbed by two men of $22,000, and that was more than the Jesse James gang had gotten at the, one of their robberies. Yeah. Anyway, a few days after that, the Pinkertons arri- arrested John Reno in his home at Seymour. That guy's in trouble again. He is. 
one of the persons at the scene of the crime, having recognized him, he was quickly convicted and sentenced to serve 25 years in the state penitentiary at Jefferson City. Whoa. So here's the oldest brother now. The oldest Reno. He's in jail. Yeah, he's gone. Okay. Now, but if anyone thought the arrest and conviction of John would end crime in Indiana, they were mistaken because another train was robbed at a place called Marshfield. Here we go. Now, just as the engineer stepped down from the cab at night to make his usual inspection of the engine, he was struck over the head and crumpled to the ground. Now, unaware of the drama being unfolding, the fireman dropped down on the other side of the engine to direct the woodyard workers in their refueling job. They were putting more wood oh, on, yeah. onto the train. Yeah. Well, as he got down, a fished fist <laughs> smashed fish. it. He got hit with a fish. He got hit with a fist. <laughs> that will hurt you every time. That will. So a fist smashed into his face, and something hit him from behind. Now, the wood handlers were covered with a gun in the hands of a masked man, and in a twinkling of an eye, there were masked bandits all over the place. The express car was uncoupled and began moving away from the coaches. Oh, it was so, on a hill. Well, no, just it, they were flat, but they uncoupled all the passenger cars, oh. and they took the express car and the engine down the track away. I see, I see. Okay, now knowing nothing of all of this, the express manager sat sleeping beside two old-fashioned safes, which contained more than $100,000 in cash and government bonds. So he was asleep in the express car. He didn't know anything. He's in the car. Yeah, he's inside. He's the and, guard. And he's rolling down the tracks. Yeah, and he doesn't know that, you know, anything's okay. going on. Anyway, the robbers forced the express car open. Suddenly, the messenger leaped into action, but it was too late. He was overpowered by four or five masked men. They beat the heck out of him. Or literally. And then hurled him out of the car and over an embankment. They, you wouldn't want to be in a, uh, one of those guys, right? Did he live? Yeah, oh, yeah. But oh. he just kind of got bruised up. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they got back into the locomotive, which moved slowly down the track, about a n- mile north of Seymour. The gang abandoned the engine and disappeared into the darkness. Now, remember, $100,000 in cash in these two safes. Now, the authorities suspected the Reno gang, but capturing the criminals was another matter. Some of the stolen bonds turned up in New York, and the trail led from there to Canada. Wow. Okay, now you got the Pinkerton guys after these Oh, these are bad dudes. Pinkertons. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they discovered Frank, Simeon, and William Reno in Ontario, Canada. Really? They'd, They'd hit across the border. Now... They were all living pretty high on the hog, as they usually did, spending money like water. The Pinkertons couldn't touch them. Train robbery was a new offense at that time and wasn't covered by the extradition treaty between the United States and Canada. No So the kidding. Pinkertons could not do So they anything. could sit right down at the same table with them, and right. they couldn't arrest them. Yeah, yeah. So William and Simeon Reno actually kind of slipped up. They crossed back into the border, into Indiana. Dumb. But Frank Reno stayed in Canada for a while. Now, fearing that another train robbery was coming up, the detectives alerted crews. They concealed armed guards in the express cars. And the attempt was made at Brownstown, some 10 miles southwest of Seymour. Uh, as in the Marshfield job, the bandits boarded the, the engine. They ordered the engineer and fireman out of the cab. Then they uncoupled the express car, just like the other ones, from the coaches and proceeded to a point several miles away. So the, the passenger cars are a couple of miles down the track. These guys are a couple of miles ahead. May I ask a question? Sure. How did they know that there was money on these respective trains? You know, I can only assume that they just figure an express car is going to be handling money. 
And they, I yeah, don't think they would know how much. Taking a shot in the dark, and they might not get anything but paper. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, anyway, uh, they, uh, as they kept going, uh, the Bannis boarded the engine. Like I say, they ordered the engineer and fireman out. They uncoupled the express car, proceeded down the tracks. The masked robbers were surprised to find the door of the express car actually unlocked, which uh, kind of surprised them. Yeah, really. And they were completely bewildered when the armed guard went into action. So, What did he do? Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. <laughs> well, I wouldn't leave you hanging. for a <laughs> Time for a commercial. <laughs> for a time, there was a bunch of shooting going on on both sides. The guard was uninjured. The whole gang got away, but one was believed to have been wounded. Okay, so they didn't get any money. They didn't get any money. No. But a few days later, when the officers learned that a friend of John Reno had gone to a doctor Uh-oh. to have a wound bandage, wound. they arrested the man. Got him. And his name was Elliot, so he was part of this Reno gang. Yeah. Well, Elliot identified the other members of the gang. He turned He turned them. That had attempted to rob the train as... Another guy named Charles Rosenbaum and Lefty Clinton. There's uh, that Clinton name that, I told you. Uh, Cliff Clifton. Oh, Clifton. Clifton. Okay. <laughs> anyway, they were taken into custody, and with Elliot, they were put aboard a train. And about halfway to their destination, the train came to a halt. Members of a posse swarmed into the train. They seized the prisoners. A little later, three lifeless bodies were left swinging from a tree near the tracks. You don't mean to tell me right here at this juncture that there was vigilante justice. Call it what you want. Those guys, it was the last train ride they took. But these were members of the Reno gang. Okay. So Simeon and William Reno, uh, they had fled. They took off. Well, wouldn't you? But they were captured. Now, later they were taken to New Albany, New Indiana, where it was thought there was less danger of mob violence. Well, a guy by the name of Carl Anderson was in the New Albany jail, too. And so these three criminals were soon joined by Frank Reno. And when the Pinkertons uh, somehow, uh, they somehow got John out of Canada. Okay, so now you got three Reno brothers now in jail. Were there ever any charges brought up against the vigilantes for hanging oh, no, those guys? no. No. Don't know who they were, you know. So, hmm. anyway, uh, okay. so with the four gang leaders under the same roof, 50 miles from the place uh, where the other lynching had taken place, the authorities kind of felt that everything was under control. The prisoners felt safe and tried to bribe the sheriff uh, by promising to tell him where the, some of the loot was hidden. Uh-huh. Well, December 12, 1868, three hours before daybreak, a single coach train rolled quietly into New Albany. This sounds sinister. The locomotive's headlight was dark. Uh-oh. And the community was silent. Uh-huh. There was only one guard at the jail. This sounds like a Halloween story. The sheriff was asleep in his quarters upstairs. The outside guard had just made his usual rounds, sat down by the fire. Uh-huh. He heard a noise outside and thought an officer was bringing in a drunk. And he approached the door to open it and was met at the entrance uh, by a party of men who presented pistols. Uh-oh, this doesn't sound good. No, and it gets a little worse. I'll bet it does. By this time, the jail was filled with men searching for the keys to the jail doors. 
The sheriff, who was uh, uh, upstairs, he uh, opened the door to be met by a, a group of men with guns. And uh, anyway, the masked men fired a few, few shots, and the sheriff decided he maybe would sh- should cooperate. Okay, yeah, good thought. Okay. Good thought. Anyway, so uh, the force, uh, they, uh, they had the jail surrounded, and uh, the sheriff said, don't shoot. He says, I'm the sheriff. <laughs> don't shoot. <laughs> anyway, now one of the gang did fire a shot, and it did hit somebody in the right arm, one of the deputies. But anyway, the threats and pointed pistols did not force the sheriff to divulge the hiding place of the keys. Really? So about a dozen armed men entered the room where Mrs. Fullenlove was in bed and demanded the keys. Sheriff Fullenlove, hearing the demand, called to her. <laughs> Get this. He says, he says to let them kill her rather than tell where the keys were. Wait, 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 wait. Stop. All husbands need to listen carefully to what <laughs> mistake this man made. He told the bad guys. Kill my wife. Kill the wife. And don't tell the guys and, where and the And then keys. he told her not to say anything right. where the keys were. Right. How long did that marriage last afterwards? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't say. Anyway, they finally found the keys. So, without killing the wife. Anyway, the first... I think she was real proud of yeah, this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the first victim dragged from his cell was Frank Reno. And the mob placed the fatal noose about his neck. The rope was made fast to the iron pillars from the platform around the second tier of cells. William Reno was next. He was hanged alongside his brother. Simeon Reno desperately fought the mob, knocking one or two of them down before he was overpowered and left suspended. Charles Anderson, the last strung up, begged for the privilege of praying, but that was denied. I see. Anyway, when the mob left the jail, they locked the door, and they went over to the depot. They got back on the train. And uh, they left uh, on this train just rather quietly. Anyway, the news spread like wildfire. It was estimated that there were from 75 to 100 men in this group. That were on the train? This vigilante. But they they were never uh, determined who they really were. So John Reno, who started the whole thing, served out his 25 years, uh, came out of prison. His friends and, and family were all gone. And he simply disappeared. So easy did the great American institution of train robbery come into being, and it set a pattern for a whole generation of outlaws. Let me ask you a question: Who were the two guys, the two Reno brothers that were? They ran away. Uh, John they, Reno and who? Let's see, not. <laughs> I'd have to look. No, but two of them got away. Uh, for a little while. Yeah, for a little while, but then they were caught later. Yeah. And they were lucky that they got caught by a fairly decent bunch of people. Yeah, yeah. but eventually they all uh, met their demise Met their demise at the end of a rope. Yeah. And, but, you know, wow. hey, they made a lot of money and had a lot of fun for a little while. You make it sound so easy. I, yeah, well, it was. It's that, that word you used uh, of being suspended <laughs> in midair. That doesn't sound real good. <laughs> well, there's a lot of stories about uh, hangings that took place. Yeah. And in some cases... That had to be a gruesome way to die. Well, I would think so. Because, yeah. well, for example, Black Jack Ketchum, I've yeah. told you his story. He uh, was to be hung the next day, and the night before, they... Uh, tested the gallows, make sure it worked, yeah. and they hung a, a couple of sacks full of uh, sand in it to make sure it worked. And but they didn't take the sand off the rope. Uh-oh. So the next morning, when they hung Blackjack Ketchum, the rope had been stretched a few inches. I see. So when he hit the end of the rope, his head popped off. You know, this is what I like about you. Just before our dinner hour, you always come up with something like that. 
Oh, uh, there, there's some interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, there was another one, uh, a hanging, where nobody wanted to actually pull the lever. Really? And so they had a system of a pipe with water and a lever and a this and a that. And somebody started the Anyway, it finally tipped something to where the gallows dropped and hung the guy. No kidding. <laughs> so, you know, you ought to talk about that on one of these Doctor History segments. You think so? The More. punishments of the old days the against bad the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, you would have thought that uh, they'd have had more concrete ways to um, rob trains without getting hung. <laughs> but, you know, I think a message was delivered. I think it was, too. Yeah.